0: This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Great to have you all here today, and, and it's really an inspiring service. And we're going to look at that whole concept of home. You notice all the songs will deal with home today. And can we find our way home? What does it look like when we do that? And, and what does it look like to really be embraced? You know, I, I, I love this idea. Just try this out for a second. What if this, what if church, spirituality, faith were really about this art, the art of homecoming, the art of homecoming. There's something to think about. There's something to hold in our hearts and and, and to really start to to allow in. It it was interesting, you know, I've been reading a lot about social media and, and social media that's kind of like taking over our culture and how, though, do we find home in that and social media and all the mechanizations around that and how challenging that is and how do we sort of get still and get back to some of these basic core lessons of the human soul of how we interact with each other, how we relate Like, literally, how we relate. And that's so much part of this forgiveness piece. And we've been doing a series here on forgiveness. Why forgive? I'm going to have you say the L word there. Why forgive? Ask the question. So you can be free to love. love. So you can be free to love. It's that simple. If you have all this stuff in your head, you're not free to love. You're not free to love. But can we package it appropriately? Can we put it away? Can we find those places where we need accountability, those places of surrender? And can we just become free to love? Last week, we looked at forgiving others. This week, we're looking at, please say those two words we're looking at, being forgiven. forgiven. What is it like to accept forgiveness? You know, I think it's a little bit, folks, it's tricky. I think it's a little bit like the whole idea of gratitude. It's, there's two disciplines to it. One's a little easier than the other. I think for a lot of people, they have a really easy time offering thanks, a really hard time receiving it. For some people, not for everyone, there's an easier time in offering forgiveness than there is in accepting it. And maybe by the end of the service today, we'll be able to learn to just maybe accept, accept forgiveness in a little bit of a different way. Now, the story I want to tell you today, and it's a beautiful story. It's a story of what's called the prodigal son. If you're not familiar with that, it's, it's a story in the Bible that it's about forgiveness. Probably the most well-known story about forgiveness. The word forgiveness is actually mentioned zero times in this story of forgiveness, which is kind of cool in and of itself because I think where it's pointing us to is this. It's pointing us to that forgiveness, if we really are to forgive, that forgiveness is actually relational. It's relational. It's about how we relate to other people, to God, and to ourselves. And it's a pretty simple story you're gonna hear. It's a story about a circle. You have a circle, which is a family. You have a younger brother who decides I'm out of here, does a lot of really bad stuff. Ends up going to a very, very different place over here. And he wants to get back into this circle. Hint, the H word. He wants to come back home. He wants to come back home. Dollars to donuts. There's a part of you that wants to come home too. And wants to get the forgiveness of that wants to be able to enter back into this space where you're home, where you're loved, where you're cared for, where you're connected. And that's what this story's about. And there's so many beautiful parts. Like I have, I mean, again, I'm sort of a hired gun. So the, the prodigal son, I've been studying this for a long time. I've preached on it a bunch of times. I've read it a bunch of times. I've been preached to about it a bunch of times. And every time I look at it, it opens up one layer more, more and more of a miracle every time. So I want to read to you this story, and then we're going to sort of pick it apart a little bit. So just get in your comfortable sort of reading, somebody reading to you position. The parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. There was a man who had two sons, and this man here represents God, represents God, who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between the two sons. So the one son said, Look, I'm out of here. Just give me my money, cut the check, I'm out. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth. And wild living, and really wild living. Like some of the Bible translations I won't say because there's kids in the audience, but the guy went off. He went off, essentially blew all his money. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. Way of saying he wanted to come home. So he went and hired himself out as a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And again, with the feeding pigs, this would have been the lowest of the low. This was written for a Jewish audience. So pigs were considered unclean animals. I mean, it was, it was like as pigs aren't kosher. For those of you who are Jewish, it's, it's as low as you can get to actually have to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. Go back to my father. And again, this is when you think of Jesus talking about the father, this is that same word. It's a colloquial word, as I said last week, for daddy. And say to him, Father, I've had sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Now this is where the story gets so, so many parts of the story gets so, this is where the story I think just gets beautiful. So here he is. He's got in his mind what he's going to say. He has rehearsed the phone call. He has rehearsed how he's going to ask and beg and plead for forgiveness and just to be treated as a servant so that he doesn't start. He's got that in his head. He doesn't even have time to say it, though. Now, he does come back to it. You'll see in a few minutes. But he doesn't even say it. Folks, picture it. Picture it. Like, I should give you a chill. The father sees him a long way off. Way out there in the distance. And it says, see who is paying close attention. I know all of you were. It says that the father, begins with R, ends with N. The father ran think of that view of God folks this is the Middle East not known for benign views of God and here's this story where there's this brand new recasting this reconstruction of who God is and Christ is trying to convey that both in word and deed And he comes up with this beautiful parable that says, and the father ran to meet him when he saw him from afar off. Beautiful, beautiful line. The son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father doesn't pay any attention to that. He doesn't go, yep, you're right, but I'm gonna let you back in. Doesn't say that. But the father said to his servants, quick, put the best robe on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, the big brother. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. I want you to think jealousy here. So he called one of the servants, asked him what was going on. Your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry. Now here, folks, again, isn't it interesting? And I, and I have a hard time getting the right words around this, but I'll try to get the context here. Like the son, the older son is offended about something that had nothing to do with him. Do some of us do that sometimes? Offended about something that really, when we look at it, has nothing to do with us. It not impact us a lick. But here he is offended. So his father went out, pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Probably not true, but he's saying it anyways. Yet you never gave me even a young goat. This is just too funny. So I could celebrate with my friends. That was a big party to have a young goat. But when the son of yours, and notice again, I'll come back to this line. He doesn't even say it's his brother. You notice the, the pushing, it, pushing him away? He's saying, this son of yours, we're clear. Not my brother, this son of yours. But this son of yours who has squandered your prosperity comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Now that's an important part. There's accountability there. The first son had, had spent his half of the inheritance and the father's like, I'm not taking away your inheritance here, dude. Everything I have is actually yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because the brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful lines there. And it talks about their forgiveness being relational. And and, and we're, we're left with this feeling that the brother who had lived the life of vice, that he actually experiences a form of salvation. We're not so sure about the other brother. Isn't that interesting? In that relational part, so important. And it comes down, I think, to this word. This was the word that jumped off of the page for me. Quick, bring the best robe, put it on it, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf, kill it. Let's have a feast and say it with celebratory glee and celebrate. celebrate. Let's celebrate this. This is such good news. Gospel means good news. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. And notice it doesn't say he was a sinner and he finally got it all straight. It says he was lost. He was found. He was asleep. And he woke up. So they begin. this is so good. So they began to, so they began to celebrate beautiful story. And you can even see it from paintings in this time, the, the celebratory nature of it. I love this, this painting because even the dog is in on the party in this picture. Like, it's just its just this beautiful celebration that forgiveness should be. A little aside, little aside, Holy Supper, communion, when you come to what is called the Lord's table, you are considered a celebrant. That's beautiful. You've come home. Let's celebrate. I think there are a number of lessons here that that are significant. I'm gonna run through three of them real quickly and then we're gonna see what Mr. Rogers has to say. Lesson number one. I mentioned this the very first week. This is so important. When I say so important, it means please take a picture of it. It will be on the quiz. Forgiveness is not about earning God's love. Forgiveness is about experiencing God's love. Not about earning it. It's about experiencing it. Real critical lesson here. Lesson number two. Being forgiven moves us towards accountability. Now I want to sit with that part just for a minute. When when we really get this forgiveness thing down, it actually makes us really accountable. Folks, imagine somebody who loves you unconditionally loves you to pieces like a grandma who just thought the sun rose and set with your smile those people who really love us who we really really feel love us to the absolute core why can we i want somebody to shout it out why can we ask them for forgiveness why can we ask them who could shout it out because they love it, because they love it. yeah that's simple we feel totally comfortable saying, well, maybe not comfortable is not the right word, but, but we feel free that we can say this thing that we're sorry for because we know their love is unconditional. Because we just know that. That can make an immense difference. So it moves us towards accountability and away from, and this is really key, away from the illusions we hold about ourselves and others. True forgiveness helps us to see us for who we really are, which has good parts and bad parts. And we can actually own both. And it allows us to see other people as well without all the fog and the screens. We're going to look at that a lot next week. Lesson three, being forgiven does not leave the offender feeling small and judged. I'm going to have you say the last few words there. Does not leave the offender feeling small and judged but liberated and loved, <laughs> liberated and loved. And when you feel liberated and loved, guess what you're ready to do? Begins with C. You're ready to, <laughs> you're ready to celebrate. You're ready to celebrate. Now I want to show you a video here, just so you can see what that experience might look like of love, accountability, and liberation. And you're going to see it through the words of our very own, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Mr. Rogers. So take a look at what Mr. Rogers has to say here.
1: Hello, I'm Fred Rogers, wanting to add my welcome to you for this workshop about helping children deal with angry feelings. So many people have asked me, do you ever get mad? And of course I answer, well, yes, yes. Everyone gets mad sometimes. The important thing is what we do with the mad that we feel in life. A few weeks ago, on my way home from a particularly tough day at work, I stopped to see my two grandsons. Their mom and dad weren't there, but the boys were there with the babysitter in the backyard, squirting water with hoses. I could see that they were really having fun. But I felt I needed to let them know that I didn't want to be squirted. So I told them so. And little by little, I could feel that the older boy, Alexander, was testing the limit until finally his hose was squirting very close to where I was standing. I said to him in my harshest voice, Okay, that's it, Alexander. Turn off the water. You've had it. He did as I told him, said he was sorry, and looked very sad. The more I thought about it, the sadder I got. I realized that Alexander had not squirted me, and that I had stepped into his and his brother's play with a lot of feelings left over from work. So when I got home, I just called Alexander on the phone. I told him I felt awful about my visit with him, and the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I was taking out my anger from work on him. I told him I was really sorry. Do you know how he answered me? He said, oh, Bubba, he calls me Bubba, oh, Bubba, everybody makes mistakes sometimes. I nearly cried. I was so touched by his naturally generous heart. And I realized that if I hadn't called him, I might not have ever received that wonderful gift of Alexander's sweet forgiveness.
0: There's a number of funny parts to it. It's hard to imagine Mr. Rogers actually stopping home after a bad day at work. Like, how does that work? And then when he says, in my harshest tone, I'm thinking, what would that sound like? But, but don't you love it? Don't you love it? Like, can you see the accountability there? Yes or no? Can you see it? Yes. Do you see the love there? Yes. Do you see somebody who's, 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 who's become liberated and free? Both of them. Yes. It's beautiful stuff. Angela's going to share a few words. Then we're going to have a middle song. When I want to come back. I want to talk about that. Yeah, like how do we continue to really let this sink in? To really start to figure out a way to allow forgiveness to see deep into our souls as we come that welcome home, and, and how do we do that? How do we find it with forgiveness? Especially when we're caught, you know, as the brothers, and we're kind of caught looking at each other maybe a little bit like this. So what I want to do now is, is I want to look at this passage, and uh, then I want to sort of retranslate it. I want to sort of say, yeah, what, what could this passage like? How would it read today? Just in normal language. And I want to thank ahead of time two wonderful volunteers who are going to be helping with us, Bob and Marcus. So please give them a round of applause as I come down and meet them right down here. So I want to read for you first a a Bible passage. And then what we're going to do is then we're going to kind of work at retranslating it just into the way modern language might look. Now this is the way the Bible passage goes. The older brother became angry, refused to go in. So his father go into the party there. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with wild living comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. Now we're gonna go back to that first slide. Bob, you're gonna stand here. Marcus, you're going to stand right over here. And what I'm going to ask these guys to do is, this is one of the things I believe. I think religion, I think faith should always bring a smile. I really do believe this. Most people know just enough religion to make them miserable. So so I think think religion should be filled with joy. I mean, we're looking at that C word today. What was that C word, folks? Celebrate. We're looking at the idea of celebration about, about how joy should be so much part of it. So these guys are going to do a little improv. We have not practiced this. (laughs) You know, where they fill in these yellow words with the way we might say to modern language. Bobby, you ready? Older brother? Yeah, well, you're you're both the older brother. And I'm going to read the white part, and then you're going to rephrase the yellow part, became angry. And then Marcus, you're going to say refuse to go in. You're going to put that in modern language. All right, so refuse to go in the party. What do you refuse to do? All right, you ready? The older brother... I am really upset. Excellent. And? I'm out of here. I'm out of (laughs) here. These guys, give them a round of applause, folks. I got them juiced up here. That's good. You guys got it. But he answered, look, all these years I've been...
1: Uh, Loyal and and humble Mm -hmm. and uh, (laughs) doing everything you want me to do selflessly.
0: Excellent. And? All these years I've been driving around in a (laughs) geo... And he comes walking in, and you uncover the Mustang and let him have the keys. (laughs) Excellent. You guys are scary good at this, just so you know. Next slide. Yet.
1: You never gave
0: me the Beamer uh, with the satellite radio. Um, He's been messing around, crashing in your Mercedes, and I I don't even get to drive the Beamer. (laughs) Excellent. Marcus, your turn. But when he comes back. After all these years and maxing out your credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> Who has? Uh, Bas- sort Face? Of yeah. That was good. That was, I liked it. He's kind of taking advantage of you um, while well, I'm here working at your behalf. Excellent. Your property with yeah. wild living comes home and you buy him a whole bunch of sushi. <laughs> Give them a round of applause, folks. You guys did great. Thank you. There's probably some of you in here right now are thinking, I wish my older brother was in the audience. Because it's powerful when you realize like how, you know, contemporary these stories are. And again, the, the Bible passage, it goes on to say this, like this really important line. My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. The duty of delight. Folks, can you listen to this line? Can you listen to this line? Please listen to this line. I would even put it on your phone. Or pretend for a minute you aren't texting anybody else. I'll have you put on your phone. <laughs> We're talking about a joy that says everything. We're talking about a joy that says everything. That's what this celebration is: a joy that says everything, even without words. The duty of delight, the duty of delight. And be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. It's a father's way of very kindly saying, son, don't make it about you. It's not about you. It's about him. And you notice he's not in this one. He's not in this one. He's no longer referring we look in this passage, no longer referring to that as, you know, that brother he's excuse me, that son. He's he's trying to get him to see him again as his brother. Trying to get again to see him in kinship, one with another. Something our world needs so desperately. See, this, this idea, this celebrate peace, this duty of delight, I, I think what God does is God kind of, he plants maybe five or six stories in our life that, that really help us to navigate. Can I share one of those stories with you? It's one story, a bunch of you have heard this before, but I repeat it all the time because I think it's so important. When I first started ministry, there was a wonderful older woman who just thought that I, she really enjoyed how I preached, which was great. And she lost her husband. And it was like a year or two after she'd lost her husband. They'd had a very long, very fruitful, very wonderful marriage. She said, you know, Chuck, I need to tell you a story. I've been battling very, very dark depression. And what happened, I need to tell you, my husband came back to visit. She gets a smile. He sat on the end of the bed. And he said, honey, I have one thing to tell you. what do you need to tell me? He said, celebrate. And then he left. I'm sure they're together today. See, that that celebration, that duty of delight, like that's where we can start to find that place where forgiveness can come into our hearts. Both if you're finding yourself as the older brother challenged with giving it or the younger brother challenged with asking for it allowing that in that soft place that can start to open us in so many ways and and to understand that you know if you're wrestling with like I don't know how to let forgiveness in I'm going to show you a slide please remember this please remember this you are not a problem to god you're not a problem to god you just aren't. New church believes God holds us all the time. God can't frown, He can only smile. God holds us in the blessed and broken places we find ourselves. Does God's heart break on occasion? I believe so. But that doesn't mean you're a problem. Because it's all held together in a fabric, a woven fabric of love and compassion, of deepness. And I think we always have that choice. I'm going to step down here and then step right back up. We always have that choice between a couple of things here. We can take the older brother approach of reward and entitlement. I'm entitled, I deserve mine. I'm entitled, I deserve mine. Or we can take the path of compassion and celebration. Which one of these two do you prefer? Compassion and celebration. We will get caught in this. I think this is inevitable. This is just inevitable. But we can keep coming home to this. We can keep working on practicing this. New church theology is so clear and I say it again and again. Swinburne said you want to you want to hear what God's voice is? Pay attention to compassion. Compassion is God's voice in your heart. Directly speaking to you when you feel compassion about something. That I think is fascinating. And folks, this last part is where I think we're asked to move to and this is really tricky, what I'm about to share. And again, like I, I, very often you'll hear me say, like I wish I had words. I don't really. But I do find this to be really important. And maybe you can, after church, flesh it out in your own way. I think with all of this, trust versus understand. I went to see somebody because I was struggling. Just a few weeks ago. When I struggle, as many of us do, my primary occupation tends to be help me understand, help me understand, help me understand. I want to get it, help me understand, help me understand. All the other understanding freaks, please raise your hand. <laughs> you know, we want to just understand it. A relationship's really strained, and you want to understand what's going on. I want to understand, I want to understand, I want to understand. Even with people who like come back and ask for forgiveness or people who offer forgiveness, we 're trying to get like well how's God going to make this work and if I welcome this person back into my heart or I welcome that part of myself that I 've kind of put over on that mat if I welcome that back into my heart like how's that going to work and, and am I rewarding bad behavior somehow like if I welcome that back in or I welcome them back in or I become forgiving does that mean that it just it just keeps this vicious cycle going like how does all this work like I want to understand I a strategic plan. What God says is this. Please say the T word out loud. God says simply trust. Just trust. Trust that there's pieces you don't get. Trust that you'll never completely understand. Trust that people will hurt you just as you will hurt other people but that we still keep showing up as best we can. Because that's what so much of forgiveness is about. It's not a trust that everything will go my way eventually. It's not even a trust that if I just wait, I'm going to get mine. It's a much quieter trust. A trust that's known by the word of faith. It's just a trust that I can only see one little piece of this. I can only do what I can do. I can allow forgiveness into my heart. I can do the best I can to welcome that estranged part back home because there is a bigger picture. God somehow is sewing it all together. And in the end, when we really learn to trust Forgive and seeing that forgiveness as staying in relationship, we learn to celebrate. We learn to celebrate because that is indeed gospel. That is indeed a huge part of the good news that we celebrate in church. Amen. So what we're going to do now is now I'm going to offer a prayer. You have an opportunity to say your own prayer, the Lord's prayer as you know it, or to have a moment of quiet reflection. And then we are going to rock out on the final song. So you are more than welcome to stand and sing with the band at the last song or just sit in your seat and enjoy the music as we close today's service. So please join me in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for your presence here today among us. And Lord, help in our hearts the words to come closer and closer that we maybe, maybe this, are not saved, are not saved in the ways we might think. In other words, saved from sin. But maybe, Lord, we're saved through it, through those mistakes that we make, and through that process. Through that art, the art of homecoming, the art of coming home to you. Not a distant God, not a faraway God, not a mountaintop God, but a loving father, a loving parent who sees us from a distance, who knows our struggles, who knows our mistakes who knows our errors and runs to meet us, runs to embrace us, runs to tell us that we are home. Let's live in that place, Lord. Beautiful image of your love and wisdom in this life and allow us to take it one step further and to be that for others. Be with us this week. In celebration, amen.